1: How are we doing today? Welcome to the show along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Steyres. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. And I'll just get this out of the way right away, even though I know my wife will not be listening, because the only time she listens is when she sits on the other side of the door that is right in front of me and she can hear me, you know, in the other room. Today is her birthday, so happy birthday to my wife, Stacy. Just get that out of the way. You know, like I said, she won't be hey. listening. But she saved your life, literally,
2: so you better shout out her birthday. So
1: (laughs) That's that's true. (laughs) That's very true. Glad to have everyone along with us here today. I see Vince is already slipping into the pen attire. This is at least twice Uh like in the last week I've seen pen gear on Vince since he began his new job.
2: I've got concession stand duty as soon as we uh, ah. sign off, so you know, I had to dress the part so I can take off pretty much right away. So he becomes so,
1: part of the evil well, empire. Will you be wearing the Darth Vader helmet as well when not you the
2: evil empire? Yes, yeah, that's the, the, right. And this is this is as dad, not as going employee. to the Death Star. So I, you okay, know, the, the the track team is in charge of the concession stand for Powderpuff tonight. So gotcha. I, I had to volunteer as dad. This gotcha around.
1: so i've got like a little eye issue right now i've got dry oh. eye in my left eye oh. so I'm, I'm, I'm a little that's blurry right now so i'm like kind of <laughs> all over the place <laughs> that's right it is mailbag night so shoot us your questions in Woo. the youtube chat we will uh we've already got a lot queued up and ready to go i just want to start with this one. Oh, thank you john 1a <laughs> happy birthday uh, I want to start with this one because I guess I have been oblivious yeah. to this. Can Notre Dame play a different song than the Six Flags theme after forcing a punt, asking for a friend? What is the Six Flags theme? I guess I've never even, rec- you know, I, I wouldn't recognize it if I heard it, obviously.
2: I, and I, you know, I haven't been to Six Flags in a really, really long time. So that's number one. But number yeah, two. Me too. But yeah, Many number, years number.
1: since my kids were young.
2: Yeah, and number two, I guess I don't realize they play the same song over and over after they force a pun. I, I figure, I feel like I would notice that, but I yeah. guess I'm too busy charting and paying attention to that kind of stuff to, to notice. So I help me out here. What's the song? Like, I, I've got to figure out what this is, and then I'll probably notice it forever now. But uh, obviously, we don't have a home game this week, so yeah, we won't, we won't be hearing it.
1: And others saying like like Mike, such an annoying song. I guess I'll have to Google that when we get yeah. done. Six Flags theme song. Because again, right. I've you know to to me and to you, I think what is most annoying is There's many things. <laughs> the young in stadium announcer who we got. I think she didn't make her debut until the fourth quarter the other day. And then, if I'm not mistaken, she she was on twice, wasn't she? Yeah, they she did the,
2: oh, the between third and
1: fourth quarter. You know,
2: you okay, little five year old make you know you get to strike up the band. You know that <laughs> thing, and then some something else. And I, I just they they started doing that in 2020, like the year of the pandemic. I guess. Did
1: because, they? She was out there then with an I empty stadium was, or like she was like, you know, sticking a microphone in the parents' face or I what? can't remember what it was. <laughs>
2: it was recently. Maybe it was right before the pandemic, but for whatever reason, I guess they didn't think the crowd was hype enough. Well, that's not the answer uh, in my opinion in any way, shape or form. It's just brutal. Just brutal. Yes. yes.
1: I agree. Irish shytown town That's dark helmet to you. Very good. Very good. <laughs> The reference space balls I, I like it is a great i like movie. it with a large i'd like to see you actually walking around with the large space balls rick moranis helmet as opposed to the darth <laughs> vader i think that would be much much more funny let's see what i can well, do if you're here you know you're here for a reason so go ahead and smash that like button for us bring in more of your friends when you do it let them know that we're here and we're talking with you tonight answering your questions Hit the like button, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, whatever platform you happen to be listening on. It does help out Irish Breakdown and all of yes, us sir. very greatly. It allows us to, to be here every night, believe it or not. That little act of hitting Stop. the like button, subscribing and you know following and downloading the podcast, all those little things help us out. It's why we're here, literally. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, <laughs> every literally. night. That's right. literally so you're gonna hang out in the start section, Ooh, right? And I'll just star stuff. Is that how we're doing it?
1: Sounds good to me. Okay. We've got a few start up and ready to go. Do we want to start off offense or Ooh. defense? Which fastballs do you want to bring?
2: I have a feeling the defensive one is going to be interesting. I haven't looked at any of the ones you had starred. Okay. So
1: let's let's start off with this one. This is actually we just had a quinn question, but we'll throw a Quinn question in once again. I think that this is kind of a you know one that yeah is immediate anyway. JD Burke. Excuse me. J.D. went to lunch with my wife, and now I've am you know, got the after effects later on. J.D. Bertrand, of course, is going to have to sit out the first half because of the targeting penalty in the fourth quarter the other day. So Quinn asked, do you think we'll see Junior Tui Alamaka for a bit? We did see him a little bit last Saturday. What do you think about that one, Vince?
2: Well, I would say we've seen him for a little bit. I hope we see him for a lot bit uh, in the first half uh, with, with JD being out, that would be the, the obvious person to kind of take the mantle at that point. You know, if I'm being honest, I'm hoping that a couple of the young guys get an opportunity. I'm hoping Prince Kali gets an opportunity. I'm hope, you know, I want to see some of the young guys get some time because there you go. Uh, Jalen Snead, Prince Kali, there you go. Because right now, the linebackers are hurting this defense. They're, they're not even, you know, not helping but not hurting, you know, just kind of there because that's kind of been their role in other years. They're hurting the defense right now. Unfortunately, and
1: they're empty uniforms right now. They are. they are.
2: They absolutely yeah. are. It's like it's like Notre Dame's playing with eight, and that's a problem. And so, you know, the and I'm not saying that those guys that are playing currently can't play at all, but I think they need to streamline what they're being asked to do and that will help tremendously. And then maybe get some other guys, some other reps when some guys need a rest, as opposed to taking somebody from slot A and putting them over to slot B because slot B needs a rest, you know, and just, just shuffling the pieces around, let's put some new pieces in and, and, and save some legs and, and things of that nature. That's what I'd like to see.
3: Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, That means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work taste-testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a 1,000. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the black velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roaster flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off. Try it out today.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: You know, we touched on this, Jesse and I did a little bit last night with his great breakdown that he had on the linebackers on last night's show, and you and I touched on it a little bit. You know, you talked about streamlining with all these guys with all the cross-training, playing different positions and stuff like that. I kind of wonder if Jack Kaiser just moving inside permanently maybe makes more sense. And then Leafow and or Ramon Henderson over there at rover because i feel like based on what we've seen and al golden touched on it a little bit yesterday i feel like what we've seen so like the last couple of games like ramon Anderson seems more comfortable playing closer to the line of scrimmage not that he's going to be a linebacker by any means but especially like in passing downs and things like that he seems to be maybe a pretty good option at that rover position what do you think about that with with him kind of being part of that mix?
2: Well, he's definitely making making a case for himself with the way that he times out his blitzes and, and things of that. And I think he's done a really good job with that. And I, and I I don't think the safeties have played poorly, but there are many safeties that are playing fairly well. And so right. it's a kind of a crowded room. And if you think he can do some of the thing, and I'm, I'm saying you, you know, metaphorically, if if the coaches think that he can do some of the things closer to the line of scrimmage, They clearly think he can blitz because when it's been crunch time, they brought the same blitz and he's brought it home twice. Right. And so, if you think he can do some of those things, I think you might, you know, at least mess with a package that has to do with Ramon Henderson being close to the line scrimmage.
1: As for the young guys in the first half, you know, it's a really good question. I would think, you know, like you said, maybe, maybe it is Junior Tui Alamaka. He, you know, he was there a little bit. The other day wasn't necessarily great. You know, I think at the very least, though, what you know you're going to get from him is a lot of energy and, and effort out there. Where Prince Khali fits, that's that's kind of, I think, what I'm looking at because you're talking about a guy a little sure. bit farther down the line. I don't think based on what Marcus Freeman said the other day, it's going to be Jalen Snead. He just sounds like, you know, again, talented recruit and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't sound like he is as close as the other guys right now as a true freshman.
2: I agree. And it, it'll be, I think we're going to see a lot of junior. I don't think we're going to see the other guys. If I'm being honest, I think I think you're just going to see an increased workload from junior. If I, you know, if you're, you're asking me to bet on who's going to basically take those reps. Right. I, I think that, you know, Bo Bauer will probably start and then junior will be the guy coming off the bench. I think that's probably what we will see as opposed to what we want to see. And that now, after the bye week, you know, maybe that's a different conversation. Maybe they have a kind of a chance to sit back and reevaluate some things and and then streamline some things and get some other guys in, but only having a week. I just don't see that being the case.
1: And, And the other thing is, this is like, I think when we talk about this Carolina offense, it's definitely the passing numbers that jump out at you, you know, that really scare you. But this is a team that's running the ball really well, too. They're, they're running right. for over 230 yards a game. They have right. got a ton of balance. So these linebackers are going to be very, very yes. important in this game. They have got to step up their game. To me, like, here's Irish Shytown's question. We'll just jump right into this. What right. are the keys to victory this Saturday? It starts with Notre Dame's linebacker play, yeah. to me. It yeah. You know, because, again, the secondary has done its job so far. We saw the defensive line take a huge step up with the way they were playing the other day. Now, again, there's going to be another challenge because you've got a mobile quarterback and you've got to get him contained. And Al Golden talking about yesterday, don't get behind the quarterback. You've got to come at and, you know, kind of to the sides of the quarterback, try to keep him pinned in there. But defensively, to me, it starts with the play of the linebackers in terms of. You know, we can we can look at the other side of the ball as well. Defensively, it's the play of the linebackers that I think is going to determine the outcome of this game.
2: Well, and, and you know, this is going to be very broad, but you've got to prevent North Carolina from just lighting up the scoreboard. I mean, you, yeah, and that and I have faith in the defensive line. I have faith in the secondary. It's the, it's the linebackers that are going to be the key to making that happen. If they can even play average, the Notre Dame's got a shot at holding North Carolina to a reasonable number right? And so, I mean, that's going to be a key. You have to keep that number reasonable so that the offense can score because at this point, we haven't seen the offense put up big numbers. So the defense is going to have to step up and keep that number down so the offense has an opportunity to score more
1: points. But the flip side of that is the offense also hasn't seen a defense this bad because as good as North Carolina's offense is, the defense is that bad. You know, now now there's still – a lot of questions and a lot of room for improvement. I think sure. on the offensive side of the ball, Marcus Freeman was asked this Monday, and I don't blame him for not committing. I wouldn't, you know, be divulging game plan on Monday in a you know in a press conference setting. But he was asked if the you know if the if the deep, the offensive game plan is going to be similar to Ohio State, where you want to ground and pound and control the ball, you know, try to limit possessions by North Carolina. I would think that that's going to be part of it, especially. Again, considering how porous North Carolina's defense is, and what Notre Dame showed they could do in the running game last week against Cal, I would think that that's going to be part of it. Now, again, I hope that doesn't mean a bunch of twelve and thirteen personnel because I doesn't, I, I don't, I, I doesn't, I don't think that does enough for them as an advantage. But I do think that they're going to go out there and and try to run the ball quite a bit against the Tar Heels. What do you think?
2: Oh, I do too, and I mean if you're taking what they did well last week and you're trying to project what they're going to do this week, running the ball has to be one of those things. And we said, as soon as Tyler Buckner went down and we were talking about Drew Pine being the starter for the rest of the year, in order for him to be successful, there has to be a run game and the run game does not include him right now. There's some stuff he can do in the zone, you know, read game and some things like that, but he is not a runner quote unquote, right? So the run game has to be part of the offense. Now, I don't care how good or bad the defense that you're facing is. If you can't complete five-yard passes, then that's going to be a problem. And that's who Drew Pine was for a quarter and a half, right? But the last two and a half quarters, I think he missed one pass. So he needs to be that Drew, right, from the beginning. And they also need to add in kind of stretching the field a little bit. So if they can do that, if they can progress the offense to that point, on Saturday, they're going to have a great shot because you're right. The, the North Carolina defense is just not very good at all. Yeah, I'm just nervous about that, uh, that often. The other side of the ball just lighting up the scoreboard. So it's going to be interesting, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about linebackers, and Jeff says, speaking of the D and the weak link, the linebackers, is it just me, or weren't they better under Lee and Elko than Freeman and Golden? Marist was looking like a breakout star before the injury. Under Lee, I mean, I, I definitely think the linebacker unit as a whole under Elko and Lee. And I'm trying to remember, you know, that that takes you back to, you know, some Drew Tranquil and bleeding into Drew White, and I think Tavon Coney was was part sure. of that early on as well. So I mean, you obviously had some really good players there. JD Bertrand talent, was really good yeah. last year, though. Yeah. Under yeah, that's true.
2: No, that that is very true. He was very good, and I believe Marist was injured last year under under right. uh, Golden. Not, Excuse me Freeman. under Freeman, not Lee, because yeah. it was in the during fall camp. But uh right. but the point is still, I think, a decent one. I think overall they had better players they were working with because Clark Lee did a terrible job of recruiting players, and so there's a giant gap from the players that he actually coached to the play. Remember, there was a year and didn't that's kind of where you are right now,
1: them. is is you've right. got Clark Lee's recruits out there Correct. as your top end guys right, right. now. And so a again, big
2: gap.
3: Yeah, and I know out.
1: a lot of people want to see these young guys, but you know, again, like I think even more so on defense when you're, you know, it's it's one thing you know like we've talked about you can get Tobias Meriwether on the field and he doesn't have to know anything. I think it's a little bit different with a linebacker because the responsibility there are more responsibilities and one misstep, you know, literally one one step to the right when the when the guard is pulling to the left and that's what you should be reading can lead to a 40 yard gain, you know, those, right. those kind of things. It's so I think it's different, you know, cause again, Marcus, and again, this is something Freeman talked about and it, I realize it can sound like coach speak, but I do agree with this. You do have to go off what you see in practice. Like sure. you can't just throw them in there and get, you know, again, there's, there are certain positions where, you know, you can, you can figure some things out, but. You can't just throw him in there in games and say, well, he's missed this rep 10 out of 10 times in practice, but I think he's going to get it now that it's game time. You know, that's, there's, there's not too many coaches who are going to take that gamble.
2: No, absolutely agree with you. And again, that's why Shane Simon played as much as he did when he wasn't very good a few years ago, because he was really good during practice and the coaches kept running him out there because he was really good during practice. He just was not very good on game day. And eventually that can catch up to you and you will eventually get replaced. But coaches are going to go by what they see every day. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you've coached, I've coached. We've known a lot of coaches. You're not going to take a flyer on a kid and just throw them into a game and pray. I mean, that that's right. just not how coaching works generally. And if a kid does really well in a game, the coach probably has a pretty good idea of, that that's going to happen or the manner in which it's going to happen and you're going to put them in position to be successful. So yeah, they they need to see it in practice before they're just going to chuck them into a game, especially a high leverage situation, which literally every game from here on out is for Notre Dame.
1: I mean, it doesn't get easier, man. Right. <laughs> exactly. like Carolina By week BYU. That is that, you know, that's the, they're fortunate, I think they have the bye week in between. But this these are a couple of crucial games when yeah. you're going to look at What's this season? What's what's the record going to be like? Are you going to have a winning record or not by the time it's all sure. said and done? These are two very pivotal games for Notre Dame.
2: It's crazy we're even having that discussion. But, yes, you are 100% correct. I know. Are they going to have a winning season?
1: <laughs> Never would have thought we'd be having it. I know, Never but think. it's a legitimate question right now. It's going to take us to something that we've got later in rapid fire, I think, that uh, that will be part of that. John A1 says Isaiah Foskey and uh, Justin Adamolola seem to be the most productive defensive ends. They both have played big end and Viper. Is it time for Foskey to be the big end with Mills and Botello as the backups? What do you think of that prospect?
2: Well, Botelho is not really getting any time at all. And frankly, didn't last week. Yeah. Nana is playing pretty well. Uh, I mean, he's not necessarily rushing the passer and doing some of the things that get your name called on TV, but he's doing a pretty good job of setting the edge and, and performing in the run game. So I would, I mean, in this particular scenario, I, I might substitute Nana for Botelho, but I, I think we're splitting hairs at that point. There, there are plenty of opportunities where Justin and Foskey are on the field at the same time. So, you know, whether they're in the quote unquote starting lineup or not, I don't think that necessarily is that big of a deal, uh, but they're going to put the guys on the field. They're going to be making plays. And Justin is making a very good case for himself to get more playing time and be on the field more often. No doubt. Well, about and that's,
1: that. a, you know, the way they rotate, The players, and we've talked about this before. There's not necessarily maybe they have a rhyme or a reason, but you maybe they start off the game together. But by the time they get into the game, there's no guarantee that it's going to be necessarily Fosky on one side, Adam Alola on the other. And you know, again, like maybe by the end of the game, even if you're not doing that throughout the game, it's like, okay, now the game's on the line, we want both of these guys out there at the same time so yeah right you know I, w- I would think that and, and I th- we, we have seen that from time to time where they've both been out there on the field but again there's just been so many different pairings I don't I, I don't necessarily and it, I, I don't necessarily understand exactly how they're making those decisions with how they're <laughs> rotating and the questions came up last week about rotation and stuff like that but I don't necessarily understand like when and where and, and all that stuff. Although they did get Fosky in at the right time the other day against. He yes, at the they end. They
2: did. He wasn't sitting on the sidelines for a crucial drive. Yeah. So that he was
1: out for like a series or series and a half. And then he got in at the end when they needed right. him and he got that big sack. Um well, I went right into another John question. So since it's on the board, happy Wednesday. The injuries at wide receiver have really affected this team. Joe Wilkins looks like he's still bothered in Colsey. That leaves five wide receivers. Only four have played all three games. What's Notre Dame to do?
2: I mean, that's (laughs) kind of a burning question, to be honest with you. Joe Wilkins has played. I mean, I don't have the snaps in front of me, but he's played a decent chunk. The problem is he has been completely ineffective. Number one, he hasn't been targeted. And number two, he's just not good in the blocking game. And it has shown more than one occasion. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Again, I said this the other day. I mean, you can put Tobias Merriweather in and he can, you know, he can whiff on a block just as easily as Joe Wilkins can do, but you can target him in the past game and probably get better a better outcome than with Joe Wilkins in the game. So I have not seen Deion Colsey in the game at all. And so he must still be hampered by the injury for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? They need to extend that. The people that are playing, Tobias needs to play. I mean, that's he's healthy and he can play, and there's no reason that he shouldn't be on the field right now. I mean, you can go five deep and be just fine. You know,
1: I mean, he was out there the other day, and you know, again, something we talked about like they had him in that kind of bunch formation, they were trying to get him to go in motion, didn't see him much after that and but that also goes against you know it, it it kind of i guess validates their line of thinking why he's not out there more but it also validates what we have said is don't ask him to do what what maybe he's not ready to do yet just sure. have him do simple stuff you can still put him out there as an ex and say get your booty downfield. we're going to throw deep to you you know that is yeah. not that difficult
2: I've seen his game film or, you know, his highlight films. I know he can run a post. I know he can run a corner. I know he can run a slant. I mean, these are all things that he can do for sure. And I would venture to guess, this is Vince talking. I would venture to guess that his his release and his get off off the line of scrimmage is better than what I've seen from the guys that are playing right now. So, again, there's really no reason that I can come up with that he at least doesn't play a little bit and get targeted. Because if you are going to be successful this season, and by successful, I mean win more games than you lose, you're going to have to get the wide receivers involved in the pass game. Yeah. You're going to have to. You know, Michael Mayer is great. No doubt about it. He's going to get his. And the running backs are great. They got more targets, obviously, last week, which is great. But you have to get these wide receivers involved in a good way.
1: Well, and I know that, you know, again, like everyone watched last week and you see Drew Pine throwing all these passes within a yard of the line of scrimmage and immediately the concern turns to, are they ever going to be vertical again? And I'll be, I'll be curious to see if they do run some things like we were talking about on last night's show off some of the short stuff to try to sure. get some, st- you know, maybe that includes Tobias Merriweather as well, because you didn't show that That's against true. Cal. So now you have a little bit of element of surprise potentially that's true
2: that's a really good point you know and and this you know North Carolina team is going to scheme for what they've seen on film so far and so far offensively they haven't been shown very much yeah you know whether that's by design (laughs) a lot of inconsistency whatever but uh, (laughs) there's a lot that Notre Dame could throw at North Carolina that would definitely have them stymied that they've never seen before maybe you hold on to some of that stuff for BYU as well Considering North Carolina's defense, but that's sure. different. You know, at this point, why are we holding on to stuff, guys? Like, let, let's right. just get out there, and let's play some football and score some points.
1: Right. Well, I, you know, again, last week in large part was about protecting Drew Pine as much as well, possible, trying yes. to set him up for success. And again, he didn't have success early, but by the time he kind of calmed down and 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 got reamed out a little bit, he was able <laughs> to calm down and and got into the flow of the offense and and played a lot better and, and made those layups out there. Michael, yeah. we, we were talking about the linebackers earlier, the past linebackers. Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo was decent. Michael is yeah. is correct about that. We left him off the list of, of guys. Mm-hmm. And I always, just that rover, I always sort of exclude them for, for whatever reason, even though we know they're part of the linebacker group just because it's called rover i don't always lump them in with the you know with the inside guys so well and you know
2: just winning the butkus award or you know yeah i know right <laughs> <100 countries. laughs> that's all
1: but, you know he's
2: average that's he's all average at best
1: yep <laughs> bren chris can you explain i'm gonna let you do this mr offensive okay. guy vince can you explain how is play action different than an rpo where they decide to pass Mostly a timing thing. What's the main benefit from using play action? Go. So
2: play action is different because there is no running. You're not running the ball. That is not even an option in a play action. You are showing run to right. get the defense to bite. Therefore, hopefully opening up more passing lanes. You know, you're hoping the linebacker. There's no real
1: intention over. to run. You're just showing. Yeah. To, to, draw the, zero. to draw the safeties up. Yeah.
2: Correct. Safeties up. Linebackers to take a false step. Like, those are all things that you're trying to accomplish with play action. Now, play action only works if you have a good run game. Otherwise, you're just wasting time getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand if they don't even think that you're going to run the ball. Like, you don't run play action on third and long. You know, that's just a waste of time. Now, an RPO is literally a run-pass option. So, you have a read, whether it's the defensive end, the defensive tackle, depending on the scheme. You have a read. If that read tells you to hand the ball off, then you hand the ball off. If that read tells you to hold on to the ball, then you hold on to the ball. And now you're looking downfield and you are picking up your second read. Your second read is your pass read, right? And so if the, you know, the linebacker drops, for example, to the into where the uh the slant is going to be, you don't throw the slant, right? You throw it to somebody else. If he, if he you make the defense wrong, that's the whole point of it. Right. Same triple option. Right? You're making the defense wrong. Whatever they do dictates what you do. You make them wrong. So it's a very similar concept in the RPO game. It just happens to have a pass involved. So that's the real difference. You might actually run the ball in an RPO play action. You're not running the ball at all.
1: And the first read is basically that you were talking about is a defender. Is he is he aligned where he is playing the pass? Is he aligned where he is playing? The run and then just what you said, then with the run pass option, whatever he is looks like he is playing, you do the opposite, and right then it it goes from there. You know, the rest of your progressions, like you talked absolutely. About.
2: And, it, and like I said, the whole thing is to make the defense wrong, whatever they decide right. to do, they're wrong if you read it correctly. So, you know, and then you also don't block as many guys, and so it makes it easier on the offense because you're blocking nine as opposed to block, you know, blocking 11 essentially. And so it makes it a little bit easier and you leave a guy unblocked, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, both I love play. I mean, play action. I love, you know, zone read, which is a similar concept I love. And it's basically zone read with a pass option is RPO. So those are a lot of fun. It takes a long time to get used to it as a quarterback. You got to learn how to read it. Your eyes have to go to the right spot. You have to do a lot of pre-snap reads and things like that. But when it works, it works well.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. Brent Smith sent out thoughts and prayers for my mother who broke her foot in three places. Oh, man. Dislocated it as well. Right to you, Brent. Hopefully she is doing better very soon. That uh, sounds very painful, unfortunately.
2: Yes, it does. Yeah. Prayers out. No doubt.
1: All right. Let me see. Kevin wants to know, is Stucky looking like a bad hire? I think... Is it still early enough for you that we can say the jury is at least out a little bit, considering like we heard so many great things from the receivers themselves in terms sure. of things they were learning? Like did you know, and and all of these guys, with the exception of Tobias Merriweather, basically, have been here for at least a year, you know, a year plus now at this point. Like, are are they are are, are they still kicking some bad habits? Was Stucky? What do you think about what we've seen so far?
2: You know, I if I'm if I'm being honest, I was expecting better results by Quicker. this point. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Me too. And, and granted, I I had high expectations for this receiving core go even going into game one, right? And I understand that you are kicking bad habits, but these guys are pretty young. I mean, the vast majority of the guys are young. You know, Braden Lindsey is obviously the oldest guy in the group. You know, Joe Wilkins didn't really play a whole lot, you know, before this year, you know, again, Avery Davis isn't playing at all. So you've got Tobias Merriweather who played as a true freshman, right? And and you've got Jaden Thomas who didn't play really at all last year as a true freshman. So you've got younger guys and they've still got some of the habits from the previous regime. And so that's a little bit disturbing that you weren't able to knock those out during spring and fall camp. So I would say that the jury is still out, but at the same time, I feel like it's trending in the wrong direction for me. I I will say that I coaching wide receivers is not overly complicated. I've done it. I've been a wide receivers coach. You can you can knock out some bad habits pretty quickly in my opinion. And I haven't seen that happen yet.
1: You would think so. You would think so. I I would, I would tend to agree with that. I, I, you know, I, We've seen both the offensive line and the defensive line, two units that were underperforming themselves for yeah. a little bit there. We've seen them looking like maybe they're turning a corner, both with new position coaches. So sure, you would really like to see pretty quickly the wide receivers starting to look like they're turning a corner as well.
2: I'm hoping. And it, some of the guys in the chat are talking about how he is recruiting very, very well, and he gave advice to cam williams and he's killing it at the high school level and all of these great that's all that those are all things that were missing from the last regime the recruiting was a problem the retention of players was a problem i haven't heard anybody being upset or you know wanting to hit the portal you know all of those things so those are all checks those are all boxes that you can check right saturday gameplay though is a pretty big box that has not been checked yet
1: Right. Derek says you can't use the excuse, you know, about they've been here, you know, basically for a couple of years on to buy. That is true. But, you know, again, like Jalen Sneed is a really talented defensive player, but he's not ready to go either. I, I realize that there's always heavy expectation on these highly, you know, recruited and regarded players coming in the door that they're going to see the field right away. And, you know, like we've said, I think that there are ways you can get Tobias Merriweather on the field more that don't that don't necessarily involve him having to run the entire offense. But it's not a it's you know it's not, it's not a one-time thing with wide receivers. Like whether it is guys coming out of high school into college or guys coming out of college into the NFL. Now the trend has changed a little bit for guys who are like you know like like Jamar Chase broke the trend last year for the Cincinnati Bengals, Justin Jefferson yeah. a couple of years ago and you know Odell Beckett, so, you know so, but but like I think they're still the exception more than the rule. The vast majority of wide receivers it tends to take a little more time because of, you know, you've got intricacies of, you know, do I cut this route off or do you know like you see those sure. miscommunications and stuff all the time. Yeah, and now, again, them this year. Yeah, exactly. Now again, I still think that there are ways you can get Tobias Merriweather on the field where those things don't have to come into play, where you can just say, okay, Tobias is on the field. Now it's a go route. Tobias is on the field. You're going to run a deep post or, you know, a short – whatever it happens to be. It's a predetermined route with him where he's not, you know, like everything's dependent on, you know, whatever. So I think that there are ways to do it, but in terms of the big picture, it does take longer, it seems like, with wide receivers.
2: Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I, I would. I do want to bring this up just because we're talking about it. Brent Smith says Buckner and Pine have missed some big time throws. It's not all the wide it's receivers true too. fault. There's no doubt about that. They, they have missed some throws. So it's not all the wide receivers fault. But some of the fundamental things that the receivers are supposed to be doing, they're not doing. And yeah. so I'm not blaming it all on the wide receivers. There's no doubt but they're not at the level that I thought that they would be at going into game four. That that's my biggest issue with the wide receiving core right now.
1: Yeah. We are not Marshall. I didn't hear Salerno's name at all during camp. He has more catches than Tobias. That's right. And he's got more targets. More. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic he's, he's been here, you know, he's been here. He knows the offense. He's an overachiever walk-on type guy. He's absorbed more of the offense. You know, it's like, go back to Joe Schmidt and those kind of guys. Like, he knows more, so that's why he's seeing the field. I'm not saying yeah. it's right or wrong, but that's why he's out there more, because yeah. the the trust factor.
2: And he wasn't out there a ton, I mean, this past game. I, I Again, I can't remember what his snaps were, but Brian mentioned it, and they were pretty low. Seem,
1: yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like it was down a little bit Yeah, more. they
2: were pretty low, and I think he got targeted maybe one time on like a bubble screen or something. I'm fine with that if I'm being honest. I mean, I Matt Salerno can go out and catch one ball a game. Like, that's fine. I, I don't that's not a huge problem to me. He wasn't out there as much as people perceive that he's out there. So again, this isn't a Matt Salerno problem. I will say right. that. This is not a right. Matt Salerno problem. It is bigger than that.
1: Right. And we are going to talk about the quarterbacks leading off rapid fire when we get to rapid fire. We're gonna talk about, you know, like you just had the Buckner. Pine missing throws and things like that, so that will lead off rapid fire here in a little bit, as well. So we're we're kind of we're we're sitting on that one a little bit. Absolutely, Jeff says offensively with the struggles of the wide receivers, is it time to start getting more creative with Mayer, putting him wide, running some reverses with him like Georgia has done with Bowers? I don't know about reverses because I think you know one, I, I reverses just like the, like the the hit rate on reverses. I don't like, you know, I like jet sweeps and you know some of that kind of action. I like because they've got speed with guys like Tyree Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay where they can do some more of that kind of action, just you know, just up jet sweeps and and those kind of things. so the re- the reverse, I don't like that for Mayor because he doesn't have that kind of speed, but yeah, the other stuff, fast. the other stuff, yes.
2: Well, and, and they are getting him involved in the pass game. He's been the most targeted guy on the team. I mean, he, he is involved. You know, there's no doubt about that. And he is. Right. he got <laughs> right. to hit
1: Right. go back to the
2: quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, and he's garnering a lot of interest from the defenses because of that. Right. I mean, right now, who, who else are you guarding in the pass game? I'm going to be guarding 87. I mean, nobody else scares me in any way, except maybe the running backs. And you're not going to really do anything special to, to cover running backs. So, you know, can they get a little bit more creative? Yeah, they could. They could get a little bit more creative. Frankly, I'd like to see them get a little bit more creative with the second tight end because the second tight end is going to be wide open. And I don't necessarily want right. that second tight end to be who it is right now. I'd love to see them branch out and, a little bit there, too. And
1: really, that's, you know, bigger picture. That's that's the thing is with the attention that Michael Mayer gets there should always be somebody open. Right. Right. And absolutely. they're not fine. You know, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's was Buckner or Pine now, they're right. not finding him consistently enough. Yes, absolutely correct. That's, that's, that's the thing. Michael wants to know or not. He doesn't necessarily want to know, but he says, I can't believe they didn't bring in one wide receiver transfer. We all knew an injury or two and they'd be in trouble. And sure enough, what happens I I know they wanted to. And I mean, you know, like looking at, especially with transfers, because it is still with Notre Dame, it's less transfers as it is grad transfers. So it's a smaller pool of guys. Like they got fortunate with a guy like Brandon Joseph because he came from a school like Northwestern. And even with him, it was a struggle to get everything done here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like for, for, you know, for a guy like him coming from a school like Northwestern. And so that's, you know, that's part of the 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 problem is the pool narrows until you get to grad transfers. You get to, you know, the, to those 50-year guys, then everything's open. And I just, you know, like what that pool looked like, did they think – you would have thought that at the very least they could have brought in a guy or two who could be depth-type guys. Now, yeah. some of those guys – want more than just a promise that they're going to be depth type guys so that can play into those decisions too
2: you're stealing my thunder but uh (laughs) later on but i i think that the and and a couple of people kind of insinuated it in the chat number one scholarship numbers were an issue
1: number two that's true they're still up you know they were up against it so you were gonna have to ask somebody to leave yeah right
2: Number two, and and I get that other schools do that, and it's not an unprecedented thing. But Notre Dame generally does not do that. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll put a guy on medical, you know, in a medical situation and end his career, that kind of a thing. They
0: mm-hmm. don't really ask
2: guys to leave more or less. They'll say they will tell guys, hey, you might want to look into a transfer, but they're not going to take away a guy's scholarship. Right? They're either. not just going to
1: outright say we're pulling your scholarship. Right. Yeah, they're gonna right. they're gonna spell it out and say, look, you're not going to play probably for two years or whatever it yeah. might be best for you to. Like look somewhere else if you want to play
2: and it is what it is I mean I, I would rather have a coach be honest with me than than not uh, but at the same time I the pool was very small there wasn't really a guy to go out there and get in and again I agree with you a depth guy would not have necessarily been a bad decision but they haven't played the guys they have on the roster so and, and again I'm pointing back to Tobias Berryweather if they haven't played him yet we're not even in a discussion of having transfer guys at this point because he's right. on your roster, he's healthy, and you're not playing him. So do we really want to bury him more by bringing in other guys? Not me. Well,
1: here's where it gets even scarier, though, because you've got all these upperclassmen in this group, and uh, you know at least a couple of them are going to be gone next year. Sure. And so as as talented as your receivers are coming in the door – Look at what we're talking about with Tobias Merriweather. They're almost going to have to go out and find a couple guys I think next year.
2: Yeah, right. I, I agree with you. Uh and it's going to depend on what the recruiting class looks like and right now there's still the numbers are still not going to be fantastic at wide receiver. So, yeah. You're going to you're going to be losing some guys off the top from a lot of different positions, so you're going to have some scholarship flexibility and so bringing in a grad transfer even if it's just for depth I, I would not have a problem with that. I and it'll say be that.
1: easier. Yeah, yeah, it'll be easier. Absolutely. Brent Smith will pine step up and throw for 300 yards at North Carolina. Man, that is a big ask <laughs> to ask That's him a to, huge ask. I, to double up the yards that he had last week.
2: I do not see that happening. Uh I I don't see that happening. I just I, I see it more I about the running scenario. game,
1: you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I see it more about that. Now I think that he can end up maybe two two twenty five. I think that that's probably his ceiling though, somewhere in that range, which yeah. would be more than he had last week. But I, I you know they really want to run the ball. I think and control some clock against Carolina. Play play keep away from North Carolina Saturday.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I I think he'll be more efficient. I think he'll be hopefully a little bit more explosive, but I don't think that they're going to, I don't think they want him to throw for 300 yards. You know, I just don't, I don't think that's the game plan. Um, and we can talk about the game plan all we want, but I don't think that would be the game plan.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mr. 2.0 back to the transfer question says Notre Dame has got to find an efficient way to make the transfer portal work for them. It is, uh, there's much more about the academic side than it is about the athletic side. And they're in, lies the problem that's it's it's you know it's like if even when brian kelly was here you know it and marcus freeman now you know the the coaches would love for that stuff to be easier but it's it's out of their hands and it's it's on the side of of what the academics say that they you know will or won't do because these professors you know and the you know the people in charge of the different you know schools and and that kind of thing you know they're very particular about how those credits line up and all that different kind of stuff when they get because like because i remember when brandon joseph got here he was asked are you going to get a notre dame degree or are you going to get a northwestern degree and this was in january and he didn't know even at that point just because of getting all this stuff sorted out still
2: yeah absolutely and that's Notre Dame has made a lot of concessions to the football program, you know, allowing early entrance and all those different things. I mean, they they have made a lot of exceptions, you know, more so than they ever used to do during, say, the Lou Holtz era, right? And I just don't see regular transfers. I don't see that being the case anytime soon. Not maybe someday, but we all love Notre Dame for a reason, right? Part of that is the academic, is the academic piece, You know, people love that and they they respect Notre Dame for that. So now you're asking them to compromise that. I'm not. I don't want them to compromise on that. I want them to recruit better, not necessarily go out and get a grad, I mean, a regular transfer. Grad transfers is a different conversation.
1: Yeah. Is Chris Smith still injured? I definitely think he is dinged up. He played some, but not a lot against Cal the other day. And, you know, I think he's kind of got you know, it's just kind of a little, you know, nagging yeah. thing. You know, he's going to try to go, but where that goes, who knows?
2: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I think he'll play. I just don't know that he'll be 100%. And he's he's a rotation guy anyway. And yeah. I would say the guys that are playing his position are doing a pretty darn good job anyway. I know. So, I mean, Howard Cross
1: and Jacob Lacey. I mean, you can't argue yeah. with what you're getting from them right now.
2: I'm not saying Chris Smith isn't missed at full strength. But at the same time, they're doing pretty darn well. You know, they can yep. they can weather this storm. I will say yes. that. Yes.
1: If Watts didn't want to play wide receiver, they should have at least moved Jaden Bellamy in fall camp, full time to start camp. They determined Bellamy wasn't going to compete at his current position, and that's the other thing. Like we still haven't seen Xavier Watts out there. That's a huge problem at wide receiver too. because he yeah. he was all for going
2: and playing wide receiver it's it's not he he wanted to play wide receiver it, last time I checked and I don't know that that's ever changed they're playing him on defense they're not playing him on offense in the games I, I, which is I don't weird know. yeah it's yeah. very strange he changed his number I mean you know he used to be number four when he was just playing defense or just playing defense so he changed his number to 26 so that he could play both so I don't know I don't, I don't know why he hasn't seen the field yet because he looked pretty darn good to me when we were able to watch practice.
1: Right. 31 points. We are not. Marshall says is the magic number for Notre Dame need to be at or North of that number. I'd agree with that.
2: Oh, I I think you need to be North of it. To be honest, I,
1: I think you probably do, but I, you know, again, like, I think like we've seen this before with Notre Dame and North Carolina, where, you know, like, North Carolina obviously scored a lot of points last year. I think what what was it, forty four to thirty four, last year. So they came in and scored a lot of points. We you know we we had a feeling they could. Uh, the The year before, there was all this oh this North Carolina and then you know Notre Dame took them right out of the game early on. Yes, you, know, I, I, you know I you know I'm not saying that that Notre Dame has the doomsday defense or any of that kind of stuff, but I do think that this is going to be. A considerably better defense, and probably the best secondary North Carolina has faced all season. So that doesn't yeah, you know, absolutely that doesn't guarantee Notre Dame anything. But I, I do think that that Notre Dame's defense has a much better chance of slowing the Tar Heel offense down than in any of the three teams yeah. that they have played. You know, Florida A and M, Appalachian State, which is a good team, App State, and then uh, Georgia State as well
2: agree with that completely this is gonna be by far the best the best defense that north carolina has played against and if notre dame can at least be average at linebacker they're gonna i'm not saying they're gonna to struggle to put up points but it's not gonna look like what it has
1: the first few weeks of the season yeah i agree with that